Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on this spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm not Ben. Yeah, you are not Ben. <laughs> and then we're also joined by our friend, Pastor Nick, again today. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. He said that this time he'll actually talk and not just shake his head. Just a few words. At this point in the series, I think we have said the desert is hot like a thousand times because your wife brought it up. I was really hoping to say that today. Yeah. I find the opportunity just for that. In well, we still episode. are in the desert. So yeah, we are still <laughs> in the desert. So like last week, we literally said, I think six times. Yeah. Right. So yep. it's just a thing now. So the last episode, it ended up on this really good note because we talked about how we're in the book of Numbers. Whenever the cloud would stop, they would camp and they would wait. And then when the cloud moved, they'd follow the cloud. And it was over and over again. It says in the scripture, it says when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. And it's like over and over again, it said this. And you're like, yeah, I get the point. I was like, but do you get the point? Because we postulated that our, the best thing we can do is recognize where Jesus is working and go there. And if he stays, we stay. And if he goes, we go. Yeah. So that is the last fairly good story that happens for a little <laughs> bit in the book of Numbers because there's just there's a lot of stuff that is going on here because humanity, we're kind of a mess sometimes. Let's just put it this way. Have you ever followed Jesus and been like, this is awesome? And then a week later, you're like, why'd you bring me here? <laughs> yeah, that's so good. What ends up happening right after this, they set out and they're, they're going from place to place. The first thing that happens is they start complaining. Of course they do. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. And so, so it says that the Israelites complain, and there's this word that they, they have hardship. And it might show up in your translations, but it isn't actually in the text. It says that they, have, they complain about hardship. The word hardship isn't actually there. It's a supplied word. And it's trying to help you make sense, but it says that they're just complaining because of their journey. And the Hebrews, it more implies that they're, they're open murmuring. So it's like, have you ever, you ever gone somewhere with your kids, Nick? Yep. And you just hear like, you know, this mumbling and this like current in the back so seat. We take my kids. Uh, okay. So when we vacation, we vacation to other islands like Hawaii. Hawaii. And uh, <laughs> we're islanders here. And so we don't drive that much. So we go to the big island of Hawaii. We hit 30 minutes in the car and my kids are complaining. Right. They want to be back at school. Right. They don't want it. They don't. <laughs> You know it's bad if they want to be back at school. And it's only 30-minute drive, yeah. and they will they will cry. There will yeah. be tears. Yeah, and there's like this undercurrent that's so there. Since yep. we're all about context, if you knew Nick's son, him yeah. saying he wants to be back at school, it's real bad. It's yeah, that's, real it's bad. Real bad. <laughs> so there's like this undercurrent. Like this, The Hebrew implies like there's an undercurrent of murmuring. And specifically, they're not just murmuring about the journey. They're murmuring about that they're upset with God. Right, uh -huh. And it says, the translation is, it says that it displeased, displeased God. But if you actually go into the Hebrew, it actually means more literally, it was evil in the ears of the Lord, which is significant. Yeah. Like that, the English translation does not do it justice. Evil in the ears of the Lord is much worse than it was against the Lord, right? It's not some small complaint. Not shockingly, 
there's this fire that comes out from God, right? So on that journey, when they're murmuring and your kids are like, I want to be back at school. I don't want to be in Hawaii. Is there the fire of Nick that comes out? I I do lose it. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's go ahead and acknowledge that God probably doesn't lose it in the way that we lose it. Uh-huh. Right. But yeah. there's like yeah. there is there is like this this fire that comes out. And so the fi- last time they saw fire, by the way, was Nadab uh-huh. and Abihu, which we talked about in the Q and A episode. Huh. And so naturally, they're nervous when they see the fire because last time they saw the fire, Lord came out, it consumed two people. Yeah. So they talk to Moses and he prays and the fire is removed, right? And they name the place in memory of what happened there, ideally not to be repeated. That's why you would name the Uh place by that name. But the clients don't stop there. This is my, this one gets really fun for me, actually. Yeah. Because then they start complaining about food. Now, everyone who's sitting in this room recording this podcast has kids, and it's our absolute favorite thing when we when we make a nice dinner and they're like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. You know what the best part about that is, is when you make something and they're like, I want chicken nuggets. You make chicken nuggets. They're like, yeah. Where's the like, pizza? And then yeah. you asked for chicken nuggets, uh, not pizza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so here you have the Lord actually providing quite well. Mm-hmm. for his people it's not like he's giving them just enough to eat like they're actually eating well like a right. manna from heaven and then they get to a point where they're like i'm tired of manna yeah if only we were back in egypt where we were slaves uh-huh right and uh foreman rabbi david foreman who we recommended a couple of times has a really interesting note on this is that they are asking about food because they're like we want cucumbers and we want watermelons and we want fish and it's all these things that are in the ground or on the ground or below Whereas they're actually being fed from heaven. And they're like, we don't want the food from heaven. We want the food from the earth. Yeah. God's actually literally feeding them from heaven. They don't want it. And then he also makes a note that I think is really interesting there is that the bread that comes down from heaven is actually already bread. It's already bread. But it says that they're taking it and they're actually processing it and changing it and shaping it and making it something different as well. So they're not even content with what God has given them from heaven. They're like, no, we're going to manufacture it even more. Yeah. Now you could always take that too far, hundred percent. But I just think it's an interesting thing to note. Yeah. Yeah. They're real discontent at this point. Yeah. They're like nothing but manna, nothing but this amazing thing that shows up literally six days a week. This Uh really cool thing, free food. Exactly. But to be fair, I do want us to talk about the other side of it. It is really hard to trust in the desert. Like it is an act of faith. Yeah. And it seems like their faith is being tested. And the test isn't going so well. No. no, Right? No. Moses hears the complaints of the families. And then Moses, it says that he was also displeased, which is just like the displeased above, where it says that it was evil in the eyes of Moses. So it it was evil in the eyes of Moses. So Moses brings his complaints to God. He's like, why me? Why all this burden? Why is it all mine? Did I give birth to these people? And it it seems like we've heard this before. Yeah. So... Moses, back in Exodus, he was complaining to God. Interesting thing here is that God in that time met Moses in his complaints. Right. And came up with a solution. Which was actually to send Aaron with him yeah, uh, to actually go and be his spokesperson because yeah. Moses, it really got down to the brunt of it, which is that Moses didn't want to go. Yeah, yeah. And, and God was ticked off about that, but he's like, listen, you're going to go because Exodus is relying on you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I love in that in that passage in Exodus, which we're talking about the burning bush, by the way, if you guys haven't figured that out, in that passage where it says, in God's anger, he sent Aaron. Yeah. God was like, okay, I am not happy with you, but here's a solution. Yeah, exactly. 
Moses is just, he's filled with these complaints and he's like, he's like, Hey, it's, it's too much. Uh, it's a burden. The people are a burden. Your, your mission is a burden. Uh, I'm, I'm not capable. I can't do this alone. It's, it's, it's the burning bush all over again. It's, it's, it's almost like the Bible has these cycles that keep repeating over and over again. Right. Mm -hmm. Not that real life is ever like that. (laughs) No, not at all. Real life's never like that. Life's perfect. 100% of the time. No problems whatsoever. I think that God's answer to this is really funny though, because it's just a very strange thing. He says, tell the people that they're going to have so much meat. They're going to be sick of it. There's going to be so much meat that they could possibly handle. Now, I've never had so much meat yeah. in my freezer that I was just like, I'm sick of it. This, so this takes me back to a time in my childhood where like my mom made this like amazing homemade lasagna. Yeah. And she put some on my plate and I was like, I don't really like this. And so what does she do? She takes like half the pan and puts it on my plate. She's like, now you're going to eat all of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I never complained about food after that, but it was like, yeah. This is actually interesting to note coming back to Foreman's idea about this food from above, food from below, mm-hmm. because it's actually all birds. Yeah. So which also be food from the sky as opposed to like fish, um, which mm. I don't think there's a lot of fish in the desert. Why is that, Nick? Because the desert's real hot. <laughs> this <laughs> is high level stuff, man. Yeah, it's high level <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Your wife is going to listen to this and be like, these guys, <laughs> do they ever talk about anything worthwhile? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes. <laughs> So God says, like, his answer to, like, oh, man, this burden, these people are complaining, like, I can't do this, I can't bring out this leadership. God's, okay, tell everybody that they're going to have more meat than they can handle. Mm -hmm. They're going to be so sick of it. Like, they're going to have to eat meat for, like, a solid month. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, stop giving us meat. Yeah. But Moses, I think, okay, so this is the guy. Moses is the guy who's literally walked through the Red Sea. He's seen the 10 plagues on Egypt. He has been to Sinai. He's literally held the carved commandments in his hands and he goes where are you going to get all this meat from (laughs) so moses has his moments of doubt you're right after seeing all the miraculous ways that god has provided and there's nothing to test your doubt as much as having to feed six hundred thousand people who are really picky yeah (laughs) so let's just take a moment here and say hey if moses doubted after seeing the red sea parted like they're following a cloud during the day, fire at night, seeing the 10 plagues take place. All these things, if he doubted, it, like he, audibly hearing the voice of God, and you're coming in, oh, I never doubt God. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah. I bet you do. I bet you do question every once in a while. And let's be honest, like the problem isn't doubting, it's being ruled by your doubt. Yeah. If it's like, it's one of those things where I'm reminded of the story in the new Testament where this guy comes to Jesus. He says, if you can heal my child and Jesus is like, what do you mean? If that's Ben's living translation. He's insulted, bro. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean? If he says with God, all things are possible. And he says, I believe, but just help my unbelief. Like intellectually, I believe you can do this. Experientially. I've never seen it happen. Yeah. Which is just this true for following God in general though, right? Yeah. Very true. I want to stress that because I think we've made this culture in church, in church culture, where we're like, oh, you need to be certain about everything. And first of all, I just got to say, you're not God, so you're not going to be certain about everything. I'm laughing over here right now because it's what level of audacity and pride and vainness do we have to be like, oh, I'm certain about everything. And how quickly is God going to be like, let me take you down a peg. 
that's one of the reasons we make doctrines. Yeah. Because we try to explain everything away. There is definitely, let's say the, the big one that we always talk about, the Trinity. Now, there is definitely the infrastructure of the Trinity all throughout Scripture. Like, you can see it, uh-huh. right? But it never actually tells you how that works. No. Yet, I know a lot of people, and I mean, like, maybe you do too, like, that just are like, this is exactly how it works. This I'm like, is 100%. Yeah. This how is this is happening. Yeah. How it happened. I mean, there may or may not have been multiple books written on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, or, one or two. <laughs> one or two at least. Uh, so in the show notes, we're going to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My sarcasm's real strong. It's real strong. He yeah. he's had that, that second cup of tea, and it's uh, uh, yeah. it's really started to hit. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I think when we set people up, where you're like, oh, you can't ever doubt. I was like, nope. But faith is operating in the midst of doubt. Mm-hmm. When I go to sit on a chair, I don't always know that chair is going to hold me up. Especially okay, there's actually a really good story. So a few days ago, we were sitting around a fire, right? And I have a camping chair which has been well loved, is what we're going to call it. Okay. And I've told Spencer a few times when I'm sitting, we're sitting out hanging out. I said, one of these days I'm going to sit on this chair and it's just going to go kaput. Uh-huh. Right? Now, I have faith that that chair is going to hold me up. I also have this doubt in the back of my mind that at some point it's just going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Right? Then it'll, it'll happen at some point. It right? will happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and faith will be rocked. And my faith will be rocked. <laughs> uh-huh. In that I was like, but can you imagine, though, that if I never had faith in chairs again because one broke? Like I would, I gave up on the concept of chairs uh-huh. because one chair broke. Yeah. And yet this is a lot of times what we do with our faith. We're like, oh, this one thing that I'm confident about that God is doing, it, it didn't work out the way that I thought it should. Right. So now I just don't believe God exists. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Tim Ross has that podcast, The Basement, and some people like it, some people don't, that's fine. He reaches a very niche crowd. One of my favorite statements he talks about is he's talking about people going to church and they're like, well, I went to church once and I, you know, it just wasn't for me. He's like, I went to a restaurant once and I got food poisoning. I was like, I don't no, no longer go to any restaurant. He's like, I just don't go back to maybe that restaurant. And people are like, I had a bad experience at a church. Yeah. There's like, you know, I mean, I've had a bad experience at a church too. There's hundreds of thousands. Of, <laughs> there's hundreds of thousands of churches just in the U.S. alone. I was like, maybe just go to a different one. Maybe you had a bad experience. Maybe you got some food poisoning uh-huh. because on that day. The food is a little rotten. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Doesn't mean that all food is rotten. No. Moses is doubting God. And he's like, I don't know if you can really do this, God. Where are you going to find that much meat for 600,000 men? He apparently is not planning on feeding the women and children, just the men. God responds. He says, you need to just watch and see. Uh-huh. Right? Now, I during this whole section, by the way, the way that it's structured and verbalized, I believe there's probably a chiasm here some in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I, I can't find it, but I can feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can feel the repetition and these stories like, yeah. like when once you've seen a few of them, you start to recognize that something's going on here. Yeah. In this section in numbers, it feels very disjointed because like you go from like this conversation about they're displeased and then God's like, well, I'm going to send them more meat that they can handle. Can you really send them more meat than they can handle? And God's like, stand back and watch. Right. By the way, go and get 70 elders and bring them back in front of the tent of meeting. And I'm going to take a portion of the spirit that's on you and I'm going to put it on them. Uh-huh. Right? Now, it just feels like the story is like moving in weird ways. It's only talking about this, but then we're going to talk about what's like A, then C, then B, then D. It's like Spencer is telling the story. I'm not that bad. I'm worse. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. But it's it feels like it's almost out of order a little bit. Huh? But what happens is Moses goes back and he tells everybody what's about to happen. He's like, you're about to have more meat than you can handle. And then he takes 70 elders with him. And then it says they go to the tent of meeting and the spirit 
rested on them, and they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Then it also says that there was two guys remaining in the camp, but the Spirit rested on them as well. So apparently, even if you don't come to the temple and God's going to move, it doesn't matter where you go, he's going to get you anyways. Uh So someone runs to tell Moses, and they run into Joshua, who then goes and tells Moses, and they says, we should stop them because they're not over at the tent of meeting. And Moses make, then makes a statement, he's, which we would do well to hear. Are you jealous of me? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Mm-hmm. Now, this story right here, guys, is where we're going to camp for a while. Because this is, this is the crux of what's going on in this, in this section of scripture. It's about the spirit being moved. Did you intentionally say a pun there? No, I did not. Okay. What did I say? <laughs> We're going to camp here. Like, okay, I got you. I was like, what are you talking about? What was the pun? <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to camp here because I think this is, this is a really big concept that we need to get around. And there's a lot of facets to this. So we're, we're going to take some time. We're going to pull this apart and just talk about some connections to the New Testament and some different things. Yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed in here to get us kicked off is that there's 70, but there's also 72. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of you are listening and you're like, oh, I've heard that before. Where have I heard that? It turns out that in the New Testament, like Jesus has 12 disciples who he sends out, but that's not the only time he sends people out on a mission. Another time he sends out 70 or 72, depending on who recorded it. There seems to be an implication connecting back to this idea of numbers Mm -hmm. about the spirit being multiplied and being sent out. And so now you have this whole idea of 12 originally, but 70 or 72 depending on which uh, translation, and it could be 70 or 72 because the Greek is ambiguous, and people think it's a textual mistake, and I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I think they did it on purpose to reference this story back in Numbers. Yeah. That the Spirit is actually being divided and going, and the, the prophets of the Lord are actually moving out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have, so like the parallel there, and if you're looking for the story of the 72, one of the accounts is Luke 10, Okay. And so there's the parallel there where you have the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon the 72 in Numbers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just so we're really clear on this. And then in Luke 10, you have the Lord appointed the 72. Yeah. Just so we're really clear. It's not just... Yeah. 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 Ben's like, you just said what I said. I was like, yes. That's okay. It's worth reiterating. That's okay. I actually don't mind it when you repeat things that I say because sometimes you say them slightly differently, so somebody else is going to hear what we said. Perfect. You know what I mean? I think there is, there's some things that we need to really like latch onto in this story, right? The first thing is this. I hear people frequently talk in a, in theological like circles and they talk about how the spirit didn't really come in like really powerful ways until Pentecost. And I was like, did you read the old Testament? Mm, yeah. There's a lot of things happening by the spirit of God. Now, I think that the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is something we've talked about is that we become the temple and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And rather than the Spirit resting on us, he resides in us. Yeah. That's the big difference. But the Spirit is incredibly active in the Old Testament. And he's yes. incredibly active in the New Testament. And depending on your theology, you're going to recognize he's incredibly active today. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And so if that's true, we need to acknowledge that in the way that we pursue God. Yes. I want to I want to bring it back a little bit. There's yeah. a there's an interesting thing that happens here with these seventy elders showing up. <clears throat> what just happened? The people were complaining. Yeah, Moses is, I guess we could say, losing faith. Not mm-hmm. so much losing faith, but he's struggling here, and he's having this conversation with God. Which, like you had said earlier, at the burning bush is the same 
situation that was happening. And then Aaron shows up. God provides yeah. somebody there mm-hmm. to give him, I don't know, the strength or the push. He needed a teammate yeah. to to keep that forward. And in this situation, we're dealing with an even bigger situation where there's 600,000 people complaining, Yeah, which I am no politician. That's and um, that's a lot of people complaining. <laughs> and so there's a different pressure there, you know. In the past, God's like, you're going to take the people out of Egypt. That's a future thing. This is going to happen. Okay, whatever, God. And then somebody comes to help. But now all of a sudden, that has happened. You've taken all these people out of Egypt, and they're staring at you. The mob is staring at you. Where's the food? I'm hungry. We don't want to eat this anymore. And now you're going back to God being like, hey, you know that this is difficult, and this is not fun. And um, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And I understand that idea, you know, the mob coming yeah. at you like that. This is a this is a scary situation. So, you know, you start to put that in context. And as a leader, I, c- I can see where it's, okay, this is dangerous now, real mm-hmm. dangerous for me. But God provides in what? Giving him leadership and bringing his spirit on that leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to take your point, um, if you go back to when... Uh, Jethro comes and he's like, wait, yeah. Moses adjudicating every single dispute that's going on. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Moses. Right. That's a terrible, we need to take some people uh-huh. and they need to like take care of these things. Like we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Can you imagine? And, and you haven't heard this because we haven't posted it yet because okay. podcasts, the way they work, everybody just, you know, we record them ahead of time because it takes me forever to edit out every dumb thing we say. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, there's still a lot of things in the podcast. Yeah. Just imagine what I took out. So... <laughs> Um, I said, can you imagine at Apple, if the CEO of Apple was taking like complaints, like how much would he get done <laughs> next to nothing? Nothing. And I always choose Apple because Spencer doesn't like having an iPhone. So that's throwing him under the bus. Apple in this room, yeah. There's a lot of Apple in this room. <laughs> They're making fun of me because I have an Android, but I definitely have two Macs at the same time. It does feel like abusive in our relationship when you are part of a group text and the text is a different color. I lived in yep. convenience you. Yeah, you lived in convenience me. <laughs> so this, uh, coming back to that idea, you know, uh, once again, Moses is taking on the burden of everything. So we've just gone through Leviticus. We've had Levitical law. We've talked about Exodus. They put the tabernacle together. They're walking, they're serving, they're running after God. And once again, he's got this massive amount of like burden that he's putting on himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think that everybody was actually complaining? Probably not. No. Yeah, probably not. Have you ever had somebody come to you in the church and be like, everybody is frustrated with the way that you teach and it's always one maybe two yeah like they're and they're real loud so they're like real squeaky wheels right right now if you have multiple different people come and talk to you about an issue you cannot be like oh maybe this is actually more widespread than we thought right okay <laughs> this is actually perfect because um so you and i have both served in the worship pastor <laughs> role yeah. right so my favorite thing is when you get done with church, somebody's like, they're like, well, how are you going to make adjustments? I was like, let me tell you the comments I got today. The music was too loud. Yep. The music was too quiet. Yep. The drums were too loud. Yep. The drums were too quiet. Yep. The singers were, I couldn't hear Ben. I could hear Ben way too much. Yep. I couldn't hear the guitar. The guitars are actually too loud. Yep. We are doing way too contemporary music. We don't do enough traditional music. We do yep. way too much traditional music. <laughs> and there's like this huge list of things. And I was like, so which voices am I going to listen to? Huh? See, me being the drummer over here, whenever I hear people say, hey, the drum, the drums were too loud, I was like, oh, I can be louder. <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then we mic the drums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it's like you know which which voices are you listening to which i think is actually probably a solid perspective in general yeah who's around you who do you trust that is around you to call out those things mm-hmm. and to speak into those situations at our church we have the leadership team of three pastors but then we also have a preaching team and we have deacons and all of those people have perspective and opportunities to bring things up in those different areas and that's important to us like mm. just having a variety of people from different backgrounds coming in to have discussion and everything's fine everything's not fine everything there's just a group of us and what's awesome is um everybody cares and just mm, wants yeah. everything to work out and everybody has that relationship with christ and we see that. So um, one of our deacons at our church, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he shows up. He's a wrestler and he started coming in and jiu-jitsu is... I can only imagine what people think our church is like. <laughs> I know. Like from the stories <laughs> that we tell. Anyway, he shows up and we're on that mats trying to break each other's arms or choke each other out. And we're talking about revelation and <laughs> the people around us have no background in what we're doing. And they're like, right. are you preaching to each other? And we're like... <laughs> No, not really. We're just <laughs> encouraging each other. Like that's something that culturally we want to be in our culture, right? As what we do, the encouraging each other, and, and not I think, to kill each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Let me redirect this because I think we're actually hitting on something really important here. It's so Moses makes a statement. He says, "Are you jealous for me uh-huh. that I'm hearing from God, or that the Spirit of God is, is not moving only on me? It would be better that it's moving on." Everybody, which is this idea. So, like prophetic word, I think gets misunderstood in the Pentecostal church because a lot of times there's some people who do some really weird stuff with it. I was like, but on a very broad level, prophetic word is God is speaking something to me that is meant to speak into your life and encourage you in your walk with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's not actually meant to bring condemnation. First of all, don't speak condemnation into people, period. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, but God told me I need to tell them this. And I was like, listen, God is fully capable of telling somebody that they screwed up. Right. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of the conviction of the Holy Spirit? It's a real thing. Yeah. You don't need to tell them that they done screwed up. Now, yeah. God might tell you to come to them and be like, hey, I, I just feel like God is telling me like, this is something that you're dealing with and that there's a way out. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's meant for encouragement and to love and build people up. Right. And so this whole idea of prophetic words is like, who are you actually letting speak into you? Yeah. Because I was thinking about for myself. You get all these voices coming back to this worship analogy that they have a bunch of different things that they could say, but let's go away from worship. Let's talk about like my life and Ben Edwards. When I look at my life and I'm trying to figure out like how to walk with God, I don't listen to every voice that tries to speak in because otherwise I'm not necessarily lining up with what God has called me to do. First of all, I'm in relationship with God, studying the word in prayer, all these different things. And then there are a few people in my life that I will allow to speak in no matter what. And then there's a lot of people that I will hear and I will just file it away. And then there's some that I will just (laughs) literally put that on a shelf and never listen to it. Right. Because they don't come with the, uh, they don't actually come in an attitude of love. They come in an attitude of judgment. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so until we actually are looking to love each other, I can't actually accept it. Now in our church, you and Pastor Clint are people that if you want, you and I have been friends forever. Yeah. You know me. You've seen what God has done in my life over the years. If you gave me a statement about something that God was speaking to you about me, mm-hmm. I would give it a lot of consideration because I know that you wouldn't just do that willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. You're actually going to be considerate of what is God doing in my life. 
Spencer is very similar. Spencer is very connected to my life. If he thought that there was something going on that God wanted to move in my life and do something different, I would give his word considerably more weight because our relationship, our love for each other, our our community yep. is a lot stronger. Above both of you, if my wife speaks into my life, I'm going to give her word a considerable amount of consideration. Yeah, yeah. We have this tendency as Christians to try to receive every word that somebody would speak into your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I know in my life, I've had people try to speak into my life who really had no place to. And so, and I know there's probably people who can, I know there's people who can relate to that as well, but just because someone says they can, doesn't mean that they're actually doing it for your good. Right. I've had, one of the misconceptions I've seen in the church a lot of times is that I've had people try to say, hey, the Lord's telling me to say this to you. And then they just come at you all <laughs> condemning like, and then and then when you push back on it a little bit, it really comes down to, well, this is how it affects me. And I'm right. like, okay, so you want me to change so your reputation's not hurt. Right. That's very different than, hey, here's a way that the Lord's actually working in your life. And how are we coming alongside aside that person in love. There's also consideration like how you're going to say that. So if you if you are a person who like God is using to speak into other people's lives, I have a lot of friends who are not necessarily as open to the movement of the spirit. Like they're not for Pentecostal theology and that's perfectly fine because I know God's going to meet them where they're at and do the things. Like he does crazy cool things in their life anyways. Yeah. But if I have something that I is like God is speaking to me about, a lot of times I'll come up to them and say, "Hey, so I was reading the word the other day and I thought about this in your life. Have you considered this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this might be something that God is putting in your path. Yeah. Now, I was like, what did I really just say? I'd say, God spoke to me, and I believe this is something for you. Yeah. But I phrase it in a way that they're capable of grasping it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the words are not as important as that the message is heard and the connection is made to God. Yeah. And if you're really obsessed with people being like, oh, no, they have to understand it was a word of the Lord. I got news for you. You're probably not bringing the word of the Lord. You're bringing the word of something. Yeah. Right. Just not God. Yeah. yeah. So growing up in a Pentecostal background, we're Pentecostal. One thing that I've been through years of different types of leadership and different types of ministries, whether that's evangelists coming into the church or missionaries coming to the church or school or pastors, whatever it is, really the, it comes down to I take... If somebody says something in my life, one, do I have a relationship with them? And what's that relationship look like? Two, is that an encouraging word? Is there something in there that is going to build me up and allow that relationship or reveal something mm-hmm. that furthers that relationship? And three, is it biblical in any way, shape, or form? Right. Um, I've had a lot of prophecies come to me that were definitely not biblical. Yeah. And I don't know where that came from. And I think people get hurt in that situation. Yeah. And, and to your point in that is that actually, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, but it says to test every word. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, which means you also have to know the word know to the test word it to against. Test it. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And that's really important. Um, I could tell you some weird stuff I've heard prophesied over people yeah we, we might have that in another episode we might need to <laughs> i don't want to say it right now yeah. there's some weird stuff and it really comes down to does it build them up is it in the word yeah. that biblical foundation if you receive a word for somebody else from the lord you need to remember that word is for somebody else right it's not for you right the lord's chosen you to speak that into their lives and that is a huge honor a huge privilege a huge blessing but that word's not for you. It's right. for them, right? 
So, sometimes it might pertain to your life, some too. As the Lord's putting on your heart, as the Lord puts on my heart to say, hey, I want you to go talk to Ben and I want you to say this. Yeah. Right. That word's for Ben. Right. And he's just using me to give that word to Ben. Right. right. And so a lot of times what I've heard in prophecies is people have twisted that around and tried to say, this is what's really happening and how it affects me. And it's like, that's not prophecy. Right. That's you having an issue with that person that you need to deal with. Understand the difference there. Right. Yeah. And so for those of us, so those of you listening that are not in Pentecostal churches, I want to just help you understand the broader definition of like prophetic word or speaking into people's lives. Like this is also just speaking the truth of God into people. Yeah. You might call it preaching the gospel, preaching uh-huh. the word, Yes. all of those different things. So when we speak into each other, things from scripture, if you're just speaking scripture into people, make sure you're doing it to encourage them and not to condemn them. Like John three seventeen, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The world was already standing condemned because they hadn't believed because they're already in darkness and they're like darkness. So like people don't need to be condemned. They're already sitting there in condemnation. We're actually showing them the way of the Lord. We're showing them the light. We are being salt and light to borrow from the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. When you speak into somebody, when you're speaking scripture, when you're speaking words, however that that shows up in your practice, in your following of Christ, make sure that it's like Paul says, edifying building up that it benefits those who listen yeah. and doesn't benefit just you. Now it might benefit you also, but it should benefit them. And then you as secondary. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fancy word that shows up in a lot of like legal documentation and it's a word called fiduciary. Fiduciary means that when I do something, I do it for your benefit and not for mine. Yeah. So when I, when you have a fiduciary uh, relationship with somebody it means every decision that you're making for them mm-hmm is for their benefit and not yours. Now, it doesn't mean you won't benefit, but the decision of why you do it is for their benefit and not yours. Yeah. That's a really good way to operate with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. So, so the uh, so the other place that this clearly connects with Scripture is in Corinthians, mm-hmm. when Paul actually says that I wish everybody would prophesy. Yeah. Right? Now, once again, I want to put prophecy in however you follow Jesus. Right? Yeah. We are not telling you guys that you need to be Pentecostals. No. Right? Um, in fact, like, we'll just agree or disagree on how we go about following Jesus on that, okay? Yeah. yeah. We're going to follow after Jesus because he's awesome, uh-huh. and our opinions are less awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And so it's actually this, when Paul is quoting this in Corinthians, it's really interesting because he, it references back, mm-hmm. shocker, to parts of the Old Testament, and not just to this story, not just to Pentecost and Exodus, but it also references back to, I believe it's Joel. Yeah. Minor prophets where it says every man, everyone will prophesy right. something. Mm-hmm. Your spirit will be poured out on all. Flesh. Yeah. Which references right. back over to Exodus two. Yeah. And so, and, and honestly that connects with when Peter is talking at Shavuot, mm-hmm. uh, also called Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And he says, this is what was foretold yeah. when mm-hmm. your spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Yep. This has been coming. This has been talked about in the Old Testament. This is not a new concept that mm-hmm. comes to the New Testament. Yeah. Right. I think we have a tendency to maybe think it's a new concept because we're like, oh, it's a New Testament, new uh-huh. concept. Except the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. Uh-huh. Jesus, as a Jewish Messiah, steps into the role of Israel, uh-huh. redeems all of mankind, and is a priesthood, and welcomes in everybody. Yeah. Right. And all spirit is poured out, and people's fundamental natures are changed, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live differently, so that we can subdue the earth, fill it, uh-huh. and bring glory to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can live up to the idea of the image. Without the Spirit, that's impossible. Yeah. So you have Paul echoing Moses here, where mm-hmm. he's saying, where he's saying, no where he's saying that we are the body, mm-hmm. we are the church, and we are to go out and be the light in the community. 
mm-hmm. right? You have Moses saying the same thing when Joshua, which is really interesting, Joshua, the one who actually leads them into the promised land, mm-hmm. says, Moses, let's make, let's stop this, yeah. put an end to this. And Moses is like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, he, he's like, no, this is great. Don't you want this? Don't you want the outpouring of the spirit on all of God's people? It, it, so uh, when you're saying that, so I remember the story about Jesus and his disciples and uh-huh. they're like, Jesus, these guys over here are preaching your, your word, but they're not with us. And he's like, yeah, whoever's not against us is for us. He's like, your point is he's like, <laughs> you, you can't proclaim these things by accident. The kingdom, yeah. like you're proclaiming the kingdom, uh-huh. go ahead and let them do it. Even if they're doing it with selfish motives, let them do it because yeah. at least the kingdom is going to be proclaimed. That's something that Paul says. Yeah. And by the way, love and context, we talk about that a lot. There's a reason we don't talk about people badly from our platform. Yeah. Because even if they're preaching for selfish motives, the gospel is still preached. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people are still changed. Even with like awful pastors, people still come to find Christ in spite of them. Uh-huh. Right. Because often God works in spite of us, not because of us. Yes. It's so true. It is so true. So true. One of my favorite stories revolving around that, like God working in spite of people, is the in the story of Jonah. Uh-huh. Like Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh. He does not want to preach. By all accounts, Jonah's a horrible prophet. Yeah, and it's a piece of it's definitely a book of satire. Like okay. it's like purposely set up like that. Uh-huh. But I want to focus in on the fact that it says Nineveh, it takes three days to walk through, which is a massive city. Yeah. It says that Jonah walks in one day. So he doesn't even get halfway through the city. And then he preaches a sermon that is five words once. And then he leaves. And right? then he goes and sits on a hill. He's like, burn him. Yeah. Burn him to the he's ground. Like, <laughs> he's okay, God. I, I preached like you told me I had to. And the entire city uh-huh. and the animals, which is why, like, once again, satire, all this city and the animals repent in ashes and sackcloth. Uh-huh. Like pleading to God for forgiveness. Uh-huh. Okay. If there's not a story of God working in spite of us, uh-huh. it's that. Yeah. In this story, Joshua comes and he's like, hey, these guys aren't with us. They didn't come to the tent of meeting like they were supposed to, and the Spirit's on them. We should stop them. And Moses is like, come on, dude. Don't you see what's happening? Uh-huh. God is moving, uh-huh. and they're a part of what God is doing. We're going to rejoice in it, not freak out about it. I wish everybody. Yeah. And we should be extremely grateful that's how the Lord works. Because you look through the Old Testament and New Testament, that story happens again and again, where people are like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then God works through them. Yeah. I I think this happens sometimes in denominationalism Mm -hmm. in today's culture, where somebody comes to Christ and let's just say they're not a good fit for your church. That's okay. Like, I would rather somebody connect somewhere that they're going to grow in Christ than just come to our church. Right. Because yeah. we're not trying to build our church. We're trying to build the kingdom. Right. Yeah. And the kingdom is the part that's going to move forward and has no bounds. Right. Mm-hmm. God is going to move through the kingdom. Okay. So you're not a good fit here. Let's find a place that you're going to connect and grow. Mm-hmm. Well, I've gone to churches where it was really hard for me to connect. And when God released me, I was so thankful that I could move on to somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And they weren't bad people. Mm-hmm. It was not a good spot for me. Yeah. And with all of that said, I just want to put a challenge out if there's any pastors or ministry leaders listening. Get to know the other ministry leaders in your community and learn how to work with them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I was a part of, I was a past, I was an associate pastor at a church for a few years. 
And the town that we were in, it was one of those things where six months into the job, I was sitting there and I was like, hey, do we know pastors at other churches? And they're like, oh no, I don't even know their names. And I was like, this, I was like, oh, we should probably get to know them. And so I started going from like church to church and I couldn't make it past the secretary half the time. Like, it was like, what is going on here? And they're like, oh no, they don't have time for you. I'm like, I'm a fellow kingdom worker here and I just want to get to know their name, see right. their face, say hello, let them know w- what church I'm at, what we're doing. love yep. to hear the story about what you're doing so that I can know where to send people if we're not a good fit. And let me tell you, the church, that was some of the toughest ministry because when you have people leave the church, they didn't know where to go. Or when you have people would be like, man, this is a really hard place for me to be. I didn't know where to send them. It's difficult. And that's very difficult. So if you're in a community, get to know your fellow ministry leaders. Yeah. Build good, healthy relationships with them. And not to mention, you're going to be able to partner to do awesome things. Yeah. Yeah. Partnering together. We are the king, like the kingdom, right? Yeah. Right. And and 100%, there's some things we got to agree on. We got to agree that Jesus is Lord. We got to believe that he came back from the dead, that he's given us a changed nature. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live differently, that scripture is real, right? And then beyond that, let's not get bent out over semantics. I mean, some of the things we talk about contextually on the podcast, if somebody disagrees with us, we still love you. Yeah. Yeah. You're still a brother, sister in Christ. Let's take one step back here and then let's put the story back in perspective because we've talked a lot about how this spirit movement is really big deal and understanding like the movement of the spirit and what voices are you listening to? Uh So in this story, it starts with complaining about God, evil in his ears, and then they get afraid because of the fire. They're like, we remember having a lot of time with fire. And then they complain again about food. And Moses, he complains about the burden of leadership. And God says, not only am I going to deal with the food, I'm also going to alleviate some of these issues with leadership. I'm actually going to appoint people in leadership to work through here with you. Right. Now, you know what comes out right after this story, which we're actually going to be talking about next week, is that Miriam and Aaron start to grumble about Moses' leadership. So now this burden is taken off of them. Because Moses is like, I can't handle this all myself. God actually brings more people to help carry the load. And then immediately the people who were in leadership originally start to feel intimidated. Like Mm -hmm. that's so on par with everything that I have seen in the church. Right. Especially like pastors when they're trying to train people to be pastors, they're always worried about them taking their position. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I respected a ton that uh, both Nick and uh, Clint do at our church is that they are intentional about raising other people up to speak, to lead, to facilitate. It's almost like they're trying to give away their job. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like they're equipping the body to move. Yeah. But it becomes really paramount in all of those leadership talks that we don't become conceited in what we're doing, but rather recognize that it's the spirit of the Lord moving through us. Back to what Spencer said, you're actually speaking a word for somebody, not your word to them. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great thing that we see. I think it's in the next chapter with Moses where we find that Moses is the most humble man in the entire earth. It's in yeah. the writing. Uh-huh. And as leadership, it's not our ministry. That's the most deadly phrase I've heard in any ministry is, oh, this is my ministry. Yeah. This is not my ministry. It's God's ministry. It's God's people. Right. We get an opportunity to lead. Yeah. And equip like that. That is the purpose of leadership. Right. And we just see that in, in America, it's all corporation. 
I own a business and the way I think about my business is different than how I think about ministry. Yeah. There's some crossover and ideas and teaching and growing people, but my, my goal in business is to make money. And my goal in church is to equip and build the church. It's not mm-hmm. my church. I gain mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Even like the idea of like my church is like, it's, is like our city. Like we're part of the city church, which is yeah. part of the state church, which is uh-huh. part of the national church, which is part of the global church. All uh-huh. right. Newsflash. Jesus is part of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Huge part of it. So I'm going to give you a little pushback on the humbleness of Moses, because I remember at the beginning of Exodus that he wrote this line about being a fine young baby. Right? <laughs> I think we're getting some Ben semantics here. Yeah. No, I just remember that. So we, if you remember back in the beginning of Exodus, we Moses writes this thing about he was a fine child. Right. It, and so Moses being the guy who wrote the book of Exodus, or is at least described to have written it, was writing about how fine he was as a baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So humble... Uh- yeah, for the most part. <laughs> it says in verse three. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. I also, isn't it like the epitaph? It's, can you imagine? Okay, so this is a little bit like the epitaph that comes to Deuteronomy. It's way in advance. Can you imagine if Moses wrote that before he died? He just, <laughs> never has there been a man who was so close to God that <laughs> talked with God face to face. Yeah. So great. Yeah. No, it's more likely that it's subscribed by uh, Joshua or one of the guys who came after him. Yeah. So to tie it all together, it becomes really important that we respond to the spirit and in humbleness, right? That we follow God in humbleness because being in the desert is an act of faith. Like Egypt is oppressive, but it's understandable, Mm -hmm. right? Understand like your role as a slave, but when you're in freedom and you have to follow the cloud and you don't know when the cloud's moving, right? Yeah. That's an act of faith. And it just requires a different set of muscles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us today. You can find us in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple. I'm saying Spotify first because I'm an Android user at heart. So we yeah. have to go, we have to go the more Android route than, than the Apple route to start with. Wow. Ben's shaking his head at me right now. It's so great. So you can find us at Spotify. You can find us at Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and then lots of other places as well. YouTube over there. We Instagram, Facebook, the TikTok. We are on the TikTok. Wow. Yeah. So we're actually going to try at some point to start posting live like, clips uh-huh. of us actually talking. Cool. We might yeah. break some cameras. We might break some cameras. Heads up. <laughs> yeah. Also, one of the things we're going to start putting out there too is we're going to start giving some book recommendations and we're going to talk about the books and why we recommend them. Cool. Because yeah. we've got a ton of stuff that we reference and some of you have been asking like, where are you getting this material? Like, where do you even start? And we're going to try to give you some things that are approachable and you can get a handle on. Cool. Yeah. Till next time, folks. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. This guy right here. You know, I don't get a chance to shake your head. <laughs> Nod. Nod. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's how it's going to roll.
And this is where Ben gets to edit the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is where Ben gets to edit. Now that was that's, that's, I know a guy who can restart the battery. <laughs> that, that's gonna that's that's gonna be a blooper right there. I, I this is where I have to cut out like a minute and a half of random stuff. Oh. Random stuff. We're like eight minutes in. You've, yeah, yeah. All you've done is laugh at us. <laughs> <laughs>